Hello, hello, hello. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning. You are tuned in listening to United to the Moose. This is the Cinematic Odyssey. I am your host, co-host, Tristan Rodriguez. I'm joined by my side, Max Clark, here again. I hope everybody had a great, wonderful Thanksgiving. Um, back with the families, especially watching, you know, today's uh, to, well, the film we're going to be talking about today. Yes, uh, Wolf of Wall Street. I hope everybody and their family, especially the youngins, right? The youngins, the children. Oh yeah, had a great time watching this one. I'm sure of it. Hearing um the the most amount of f words dropped in a three hour span in a narrative feature. <laughs> oh yeah, but um. Man, I've been I've been looking forward to this episode ever since the moment we scheduled it. This is a film that I love so much. One of my favorite films. One of my one of my top favorite films of all time. Um, although not not for the reasons that one may suspect. Not not for the finance bro, frat bro reasons, okay? Actually, in fact, I love it in in the complete opposite reasons as for why they love it. And we'll get into that. We'll get into that. But before we get into that... You finance you know, gotta... major. What? You finance major. <laughs> um, before we talk about that stuff, though. <laughs> Obviously... You know, got to address the elephant in the room. This is our first Martin Scorsese film that we've talked about on the podcast. I'm shocked that it took the, took us a year to do this. Um, but here we are, finally, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the guy needs no introduction. I'm sure everybody, you know, listening knows who he is, knows his body of work, knows how legendary he is. Um, this film obviously is probably aside from the last temptation of Christ, his most controversial work, uh, just given the content of the film itself, uh, you know, it's bound to have some haters and I'm here to say that the haters, they missed the point. That includes my friend. Who will not be named, but he's been on this podcast before. Bum bum bum. He, he probably won't be listening. Who knows? He might be. I have no idea. Um, but if he is, you know who you are. Um, <laughs> and, but yeah, well, I'll also talk about that as well later. Um, but yeah, the production, I believe, started in. 2012 although the rights were kind of acquired in 07 from Belfort um because he wrote a book a memoir a memoir a memoir about his life of what we see and grant and and I know this may seem a little outlandish but the things that he experienced in real life are even more bizarre even crazier even more absurd than what we even see in the film. 
Um, I mean, some things are embellished in the film, like in terms of timeline of events. Yeah. Like, for example, for example, the plane that we see blow blow up in the in the ocean, that get hits by the seagull. That yep. actually happens. However, Jordan never saw it. He never saw it happen, but that actually happened. Ooh. So stuff like that, you know, little little small details like that are just kind of changed uh, for the narrative of the film. But as far as, like, accuracy is concerned, I mean, it is a pretty accurate film from what I've read and what I've heard from interviews and articles and stuff like that. Coming from Jordan himself, you know, who actually makes a cameo at the end of the film. Yeah. I don't know if you knew that was him, but um yeah, that was him. Um but uh yeah, uh <laughs> I just um um the the God, you're speechless. What, it's it's such a I mean I don't even know where to begin with this because it's such an absurd like debaucherous very hedonistic film that I think off the rip you know it's gonna be offensive to a lot of people just given the 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 sex the drug use the 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 profanity like all these different vices just kind of being boom, 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 like all this excess coming at you on the screen, like back and forth. It's just like overwhelming, you know? Um, although I think, I think that's, that's clearly intentional, but, um, you know, again, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but yes, Wolf of Wall Street came out in 2013. Scorsese, he didn't actually write it. It was written, written by this guy named Terrence Davies, I think. That sounds um, right. But yeah. But as far as the cast is concerned, you can you can take you can take that. Absolutely. I mean, this is my I'm pleased to say it's my fourth Scorsese film. And third of this year. So wow. Wow, I've okay. unintentionally di- dived into the Scorsese pool. Unintentionally. Um, mostly because it was this one, the new one, and I watched one over the summer because I felt like it and was kind of sick. The Departed over the summer. I was just, ugh, holy God. Wasn't expecting a lot of blood there. And then Killers of the Flower Moon, obviously. And then this one. But The Wolf of Wall Street, what we're talking about. A lot of really, really big names in this film. A lot of big ones. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio obviously headlines as Jordan Belfort. His uh, friend, partner in crime, pretty much Donny Azoff, played by Jonah Hill. His second wife in the film, her name is changed to Naomi. Uh, In real life, her name is Nadine. But his second wife, played by Margot Robbie. First wife by... Kristen Milioti, her name is Teresa. Um, his kind of first mentor, Mark Hanna, played by Matthew McConaughey, is the big one. Rob Reiner, um, big director, or um, he plays Jordan's father, Max, whom I'll be honest, 
does kind of just feel like me if I were older. Um, <laughs> uh, John Favreau plays an attorney representing Jordan and his father. Um, and a bunch of faces where you'd know him if you if you saw him. Um, Kenneth Choi uh, plays Chester Ming. A few other folks include... Um, gosh. Jean Dujardin. Gosh, I'm butchering his name. I feel so bad. As Swiss banker Jean-Jacques Sorrel. And uh, <laughs> Kyle Chandler as uh, Agent Denim. Known for his roles in Friday Night Lights. Yeah. But did you shout out did you shout out John Bernthal? I did not. Oh yeah, shout out to John Bernthal as uh Brad Vodnik. He's one of my favorite characters when he's on <laughs> screen. He's absolutely hilarious. Oh Brad. <laughs> let him watch. Let him watch. I, I hey, think Ma, it's just the You got some chicken? <laughs> I think it's just the mustache for me, honestly. That does it yeah. for me. But I mean an altogether star-studded cast. And, I mean, it, it, I, it was, I was hooked in. I, I, there was no point, well, I mean, I shouldn't say no point, but there, was hard, there are hardly any points where you can possibly be bored during that movie. That'll suck you in, and you will have your eyes glued to it for as long as you are conscious. I mean... Not only is, if it's just a, a scene with dialogue, the dialogue is quick, the people are filled with, like, intense emotions, it's all very heightened. It's, you know what, honestly, reminds me a little bit of musical theater, in the sense that each scene, every emotion is heightened. And I mean, in, in a musical, the song kind of is the, the driving force for that emotion and that character development. Obviously... Jordan Belfort is not getting up and singing. Would I go to see a musical of The Wolf of Wall Street? Who knows? Maybe. But um, every, every emotion in these scenes is incredibly heightened. It's everything is meant to cut or be, you know, the end-all, be-all last word in the, in the sentence. They're arguing, they're screaming, they're yelling, they're loud, they're profane— Oh my god, how many swears do we hear? I'd like to not go into how many times the word fuck is said, but instead, uh, vulgarities in general. Like, because that's gotta be number one. Because, I mean, yeah, they, they do say fuck a lot. But they say so many other words so many times. I mean... It they there has to be a cuss word in almost every sentence. Maybe not every single sentence, because I know there's like scenes where there are none. Gotta be at least one a minute. Actually, I think no, like purely with f bombs, it's like, three a minute. I'd say more than one a minute. Like oh, definitely, probably like five. Yeah, close, probably closer to five. Maybe even ten. Oof, but there's enough. Yeah. But the, um, I mean, there's, it's, it is in some cases like a musical. It is heightened emotion, uh, 
crazy, rowdy ensemble scenes where there's a lot of people doing a lot of stuff. It's well choreographed. I mean, parties and office chaos and screaming and phone calls and everybody kind of talking at once. That's, I mean, it's a musical without musical numbers. Mm. Because I, I, it's hard to kind of imagine this as being a sincere look at Belfort's life, especially since, first of all, we can we can immediately dive into like the unreliable narrator deal because it's based off of Belfort's own book. And yeah, there's obviously some embellishments for um drama and and Hollywood's sake. But I mean looking at it as this grand piece like purely from a spectacle standpoint it is very impressive i mean yeah really mm-hmm. the coordination the the i don't know there there there's something about it that is really really well figured out i think i think that I think that feeling you're getting is coming from the editing of Thelma Schoonmaker because everything is like the cuts are there's like a rhythm to it Mm. and it makes the film super fluid I mean also you know combination with Scorsese's like very trademark classic like very energetic cinematography that he employs in a lot of his work with mm. lots of movement and like quick um uh pans the zoom ins and all those all those sorts of things and, and little quirks that he does in his filmography. Yeah. Um so you know obviously the pair of them they've they've worked together since Raging Bull. Like every single film that he's made she's always been his editor. Since like 1981, I think, I think, or is it 1980? Whenever Raging Bull came out, but yeah, wow. I think Schoomaker's editing. Um, I think the I think their their filmmaking prowess like is just perfect for a type of story and type of guy like this. Agreed. Um, to put it to to film, I mean, again, what we see is just the most insane things. Um, <laughs> it's it's yeah, honestly, watch. it's true. I mean, I mean, the very first shot. Is it the first shot? Uh, the first not shot the first shot, but like the first shot that we see of Jordan, like when he's throwing the the small guy at the bullseye, yeah, the dartboard. <laughs> they're using. Um, Little people I don't, I don't as know, like the correct, the correct, the short, very short people, very short yeah. people. Throwing them, small. small people. Um, throwing them at the at the dartboard. <laughs> I mean, it's really that's insane. That's actually insane. They did that. They did that. Like, 
And it just gets even crazier from there. I mean, that actually might be one of the craziest things they did in that office, probably. But, like... I mean, besides the copious amounts of sex. I know. I mean, it's just such a... It's literally a frat house. That's literally what it is. (laughs) It's such, like, a frat bro culture that he cultivated in his office. Um... And that's why, like, frat bros love this film. I mean, dude, like, frat bros and finance bros just gravitate to Jordan, like, white on rice. It's insane. It's crazy. And, like, I don't want to get into it now. Do it now. Uh, This conversation now. So I'm going to put it to bed for, for the minute, for a minute. Okay. But... You know, I, yeah, we'll we'll get to that. But for you know, obviously, obviously it goes without saying. If you haven't yeah. watched it, go watch it. You know, please go watch this. Don't watch it with your family. Uh, we've been joking this entire time. If you haven't seen that, yet. Um. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, they notice the R notice that stretches like two, three lines down with for why it is rated R. Hopefully, that tips you off that maybe you shouldn't watch this with your family i'm surprised it didn't get nc-17 rating i wonder what constitutes an nc-17 rating because if this didn't get one a shot i think it's if it was actually pornographic would constitute um nc-17 but because it's just nudity, I mean, a lot of films have nudity. Amount doesn't really matter, I think. Like, whether it's one or, you know, 300 breasts that are shown, it doesn't matter. They're, they're all getting an R rating. But, like, so long as, you know, we're not watching any of this happen, we're we're... we're clean sailing high but i am impressed at the amount of like sheer vulgarity nonsense that they were able to cram into this movie and still have it be rated r holy god yeah it's impressive um but yeah but as i was saying though i mean obviously if you haven't watched it yet, go watch it. Um, yeah. It's it's one one heck of a ride. It's so fun. It's such a fun movie to watch. Just to watch these like things occur, and it's hilarious. This is it is pretty a, funny. An extremely funny movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, but, yeah, yeah. I mean. I I know you have a take on the theme and and wh- why this is done exceptionally well by Scorsese, but I want you to like lay into why this is a good film as opposed to a glorification of the high life of Wall Street stockbrokers who I'm not even sure what they do. I was I watched this and I was expecting to learn about the stock market. I'll be completely honest with you. I still don't know what's going on. I still don't know. So please let me feel like I got something out of this. 
Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, the film, it's not meant to be educational in that regard. Um, so I think just completely dismissing it, just throwing it aside and not really caring about it. Yeah. It's fine. If you want to <laughs> learn, if you want to learn about stock market, guess watch YouTube videos about it. <laughs> that was a joke. That was a joke, but you know. Uh, okay. <laughs> but, um, yeah, um, I guess to begin with, first off, I mean, it, it, it is a biopic, so, you know, it comes with the territory of, or I wouldn't say territory, but rather the risk of kind of falling into just telling a story about someone's life very kind of offhanded way, not really saying anything about that person's life or just kind of, oh, you know, this person was either bad or good, you know, just kind of really much nuance to it. Uh, although I think given given the different, the three different camps of of people that kind of see this, film the reception of it you have mm -hmm. the you have the two the people that absolutely hate this film people that love it for the wrong reasons and the people that love it for the right reasons um and i'm gonna try to break it down as far as because i know the the number one aspect of this film that gets a lot of controversy surrounding it is obviously the vulgarity of you know the excess in sex drug use, profanity, you know, those things. Um, I mean, this is a film about a guy who did that stuff. So obviously you can't necessarily, like, whitewash it because you're going to be doing a disservice to his life and what he experienced, but also to the audience. Because the point of this film, I mean, the ultimate point is kind of tackling and dismantling the idea of the American dream um, and seeing seeing the this kind of hyper individualistic like very american centered lens of viewing one's life in the terms of like the American is supposed to. Um, you know, it's the phrase like, you live to work, you know, you live to work in America. You don't really work to live unless you're like in, you know, on the upper echelons of wealth. Like we're talking top 1% of wealth. If you're not in that top 1% of wealth, then you're literally working till the day you die. And so... You know, that's that dream to chase after. And then that's what this film, I think, brilliantly showcases, is it, it, it kind of tears that veneer down of these types of people, exactly like Jordan, who are idolized, who are praised, you know, all these, all these sorts of like, oh, he's such a great man, and all these, you know, yada, yada, yada. And, like, you know, the main thesis, I think, of the film 
that is being posed is when, you know, Jordan's talking about all the drugs he does, right? And then at the very end of his, like, monologue, he's like, but the strongest drug of all, the one that makes you a god, is money. You know, you know, money can get you better things. You know, he makes a list. But then at the very end, he's like, money can make you a better person. And following that line for the next three hours, we watch him completely destroy his life, his family, his marriage, his friends. And we don't even we don't see we don't even see the destruction that he leads to other people that he's conning and duping. Right? From the exactly. illegal from the illegal activity that he's doing at Stratton Oakmont. And then at the very end of the film, the literally the final shot of the film is brilliant. I mean we see all these people in his conference or his seminar or whatever, they're looking at him like he's some deity. He's the answer to all of their problems. Yet he's just some con man posing as like, oh, don't worry, bros, I got you. I I can solve your life. I can make you rich. It's, it's, take, it's a three-step program, you know, all these sorts of things. It's a prescription for life, you know what I mean? And it's like, is is the life, is his life the life you want? And I think that's the question that Scorsese poses at the end of the film, because it's essentially putting up a mirror to the audience. It's like, you see this guy, you see this guy's life. I mean, granted, obviously not every rich person lives out their life like that. But in terms of like the hedonism and all these sorts of things, I mean, those things are like made to be appealing in um, American culture. At least that's the way I see it. I mean, people may have disagreements about that, but in terms of the blatant drug use, sex, you know, all these vices and stuff, like, are. They're presented in such a way to be somewhat appealing, uh, to be to be enjoyed. Um, but Jordan takes it to the extreme. He he enjoys them to the excess. And so I think Scorsese uh, is very clinical and surgical in his uh, deconstruction of those things in this film. And like the 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 vulgarity of it, the debauchery of it is necessary for for that to for that to land. Um, because again, like if it's just like if that stuff is toned down, whitewashed, uh, then the film doesn't have the same effect as it does in its current state. I don't know. I don't that know was, if you. That was wonderful. That was beautiful. Um, I mean, I think. I think there are, and I think there's a reason why it looks. To be glorified, because you know, I'm sure that he had a lot of fun, and I'm sure that you know, taking all of those drugs at the same time is just fantastic. 
and it feels probably so good to be on quaaludes and cocaine and weed and morphine at the same time. I'm I'm sure it feels amazing. Um to be able to buy whatever you want, go wherever you want, do whatever you want, and you know, basically get any woman that you want. By the way, don't forget when he des- when he destroys marriages, it's marriages plural. It's two of them. Oh yeah, but uh, yeah, oh yeah. But um, I think the the other thing about it is. You ask the question, does the viewer want that life? I mean, it's entirely possible that they do. I mean, it's fun. It's a, it looks like a fun life. Hmm. But you have to accept the fact that you get the whole life if you do things exactly that way. Yeah, it's consequences. Which means three years are reduced to 22 months uh, in prison. Uh, you rat on all your friends. You can't participate in the very thing that made you famous again. And you are stuck doing sales seminars in hotel ballrooms <laughs> for the rest of your life. I mean, people still respect you. People still treat you like a god because you know the secret. The secret is to lie and cheat. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think another is, it brings up another question with this film, which is, is it possible? I mean, is it possible to get that rich making an honest living? Is it possible that Jordan gets to be that big of a millionaire by doing things the right way, doing things legally, doing things, I guess, with respect for others, that that the kind of mindset that he goes into the film with, the one where, you know, shouldn't we be trying to help our clients make money? I mean, as opposed to, as opposed to beefing up our own portfolios and beefing up our own money i mean no of course not i mean even before he starts his like his own company stranton oakmont when he's like his first day at the job at uh what was ross ellis rothschild yeah uh the defunct investment bank or hedge fund or whatever his his uh what was his name hannah hannah Mm -hmm. what Merrick Hanna, Matthew, or yeah. Mark Hanna, sorry. Not Mark Hanna, played by McConaughey, you know, yeah. and, and Jordan's like, you know, it, it, it's, it's great if, you know, you and your client can make money and set pages for, the, for both parties, and then Hanna's like, nope, F the client, the name of the game is putting money in their pocket to yours. You know, it's this doggy, dog world where capitalism is all about making sure yourself you know you you're all it's all about yourself it's all about you all about what can what you can get out of a day a deal rather than helping yeah. out somebody else out of the kindness of your heart and in that in that very subtle way this film is also an incredible critique on the kind of American capitalist system that uh, we live under. And because you got guys like Jordan who take advantage of the system. I mean, take advantage to the point where it's illegal. But even those that do it in a quote-unquote legal way, 
they're still taking advantage of other people. And that's just the name of the game. That's the nature of the beast is you have to kind of do that if you want to le reach that status, um, that that level of wealth um, where kind of untouchable. Because, you know, Jordan literally, literally has an out. The dude had an out to go cut off basically scot-free. I mean, the equivalent to a slap on the wrist uh, to yeah. cut a deal with the SEC and to live his life just chilling. Literally never has to work another day in his life. Dude can live the rest of his life just partying, doing whatever the hell he wanted, and no one would care. However, that wasn't enough for him, and he was like, nope, I, I'm too greedy to, yes. let, to let my own ambitions fall to the wayside. I must, I must be the one to conquer all. It has to be me. Yeah. And that is like such, I mean, it's such a powerful like indictment of of um well, well one not only himself but all the also the system in which he is he is utilizing um because i mean it, it's crazy it's like he the dude has literally an out he's done all these bad things he has literally an out can get out of it scot-free like as if nothing happened like that's crazy and then he's like no nah, i'm not gonna take that deal I mean, eventually he does get he does get arrested, but even then, his punishment is nothing. The dude goes in prison for like three years is a sentence yeah. in a minimum security prison. Yeah, and guess what? I mean, this has nothing. I mean, obviously his cellmate was by chance, but his cellmate was uh, what was it, Cheech? Marin, the guy from Cheech and Chong, one of the, one of the dudes from Cheech and Chong. Cheech Marin, damn. I think yeah, that. that I was mean, God. Uh, and and fun fact, he he convinced Jordan to write a memoir. Oh my God! About his life. That's hysterical. So, in in we a way, in a way, is the fact that it was in prison kind of sheds light on all the bad things of his character. Yeah. I'm glad that you used the word greedy because there's so much of that not really not so much well I mean yes obviously selfishness and that he wants it for himself but not selfishness so not so much as arrogance that Jordan as as he grows richer develops the idea that I have money therefore I can do whatever I want he he assumes the power of a god basically mm -hmm. And he's just toying around with the people in front of him. He, uh, he, I mean, God, he cheats on his first wife how many times? So many times, That's and you know, gets caught. And then it's just, you know, what what is it? Was it love or was it just lust? And uh, well, I wanted it, therefore I'll take it. Um, the scene i mean he's like I'll, I'll do whatever i can to spoil her i'll buy a boat why because i can i'll buy a yacht let me buy a 150 million dollar yacht yes please let me buy I mean, it. yeah 
God. And I mean, inviting the FBI agent onto on boat. the boat and then basically saying, oh, Agent Denim, you know, I'm going to imply that I'm about to bribe you to <laughs> get you to uh, stop looking into me and get, get other people to stop looking into me because I can do whatever I want because I got money. Of course, I know the law and the law says, you know, if I don't say a specific number, then I I get off scot-free because, you know, I didn't bribe you. I just implied that I we could work together. But the arrogance to be able to be like, well, if I just throw enough money at it, my problems will go away. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of the inhumanity, like the uh, his fight uh, in the middle of the film with Naomi about um, his life, where he's basically on the bed like an infant, like a yeah. toddler throwing a tantrum, yeah. um, kind of jumping up and down, which I think is the point, too, to mm-hmm. make him look like a toddler and to make him look yeah. like a... Yeah. Just a completely immature man, um, with the, with all the water getting tossed in his face. You know, he's belittling Naomi for you know having to talk to the golf course people to saw uh, because they had to saw the the gra- the the golf range with Bermuda grass, and he he's just like absolutely laying into her. And she, he's like, oh, he's like, oh, your life is so hard. I work so hard to make this money for you. All you have to do is swipe my credit card. Like, bro. Really? <laughs> That's where you want to go with that? <laughs> dude because, was like, on her, dude was cheating on her the, la- the night previous. Or that say, yeah, yeah the, the last, the night previous. <laughs> dominatrix. Oh, boy. But the, Wolfie, Wolfie. But the um, God, so oh, but I think the 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 interesting thing there is, he doesn't ever you know bow down to money. He, I mean, yet controls him like a puppet, and he he wants more of it. But I never see him you know treat money as the god as the godsend. I mean, it it's a drug that he takes. Sure, it's one of the many that he takes. But there's one thing that he kind of bows down to, and that's Naomi. Specifically, her nether region. <laughs> and yeah, he refers to like, it as heroin. Yes. That is the one... That is the thing that, you know, controls him the most. But even then, like, even then it doesn't really... Because he still... It's true. Like, he, he still, still wants really... more. Yeah, he's still, he's, because, like, again, I mean, it's this age-old question, like, does money make, does money make you happy, or what's that question? Money cures, what, you know what I'm talking about? I probably do. Like what? Um, Money. Money heals all ills, but it can't make you happy. Or, like, well, I know I've heard money makes you happy, something like that. Um, but you know, that, that age old question, I'm sure people know what I'm referring to. Um, and like, (laughs) is Jordan, Jordan is in constant, uh, he's in a constant search of something filling, you know, the drugs don't do it. The sex doesn't do it. Wife doesn't do it. The money doesn't even do it. Like, there's nothing 
that can come in contact with life will be enough for him. It's always Bro. more, 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 need more, I need more, I need more. Um, and it's just like, when does it stop? It never stops. Uh, and it's such a destructive way of life. Uh, doesn't yield any positive effects, not only on his life, but life, people around, the lives of people around him, close proximity. Because um, then, at, you know, the eventual end is absolute despair. He he'll hit rock bottom. He does. We see it happen on screen. Even though his rock bottom isn't really that bottom, <laughs> it's not that bad. Um, no, it's not. Because honestly, it's, like, it's not. He's reduced to like, oh yeah, he goes to prison. Sure, that's funny. but it's not even like security. He's literally his cellmate is. Cheech, Cheech and Chong. And the dude gets a divorce. He's still rich. Although I think he's, I think he owes like. He owes outstanding debts to the people he's. So technically, he doesn't have money. On uh, um, and I'm sure he. But anyways. I mean, he you know, gets fined a ton as a result. I probably along with his sentence. Well, no, I I read that he actually owes money to the people that he stole money from, like in his pump and dump schemes that he operated with or on uh, during the peak. Yes, uh, it. Uh, let's see. It appears, uh, yeah. Not good. It's um. He's he's behind. We'll say badly on this payment. He probably will never pay it ever his entire life, which is insane. Yeah. You made so much money so quickly, and now you can't do it again. Well, I mean, he made it illegally. He didn't make. It I illegal. mean, yeah, but like. You made it illegally, you defrauded people, and now you can't give them back what you took because what you took has now been spent on other things. It's it's such a... You know, I'll be honest with you. If there's one thing... I mean, there's, there's more than one thing. But if there's one thing this movie has taught me is that the stock market isn't real. Well, yeah. Money, it's money is just a concept worth value in money and economy and... All of that is just stuff that we say, you know what? That looks like a dollar. I think it costs a dollar. Now it costs a dollar. Bam. If you want to it's, film it's, it. it. It's literally just like people believing that something is worth something and then it is. Mm -hmm. It's well, the yeah, it's weirdest like... thing that we humans do. It's so yeah. weird. Well, yeah, I mean, it's called, well, dollar On Kratos. Fiat. It's fiat. Yeah. This is a technical term. Yeah, because I mean, we can't. It's impractical to have gold or silver, like for us to have that on hand to use. 
because uh, there's only yeah. a finite amount of that. Paper, I mean, pay, U.S. dollars used to be backed by gold. Yeah. And then it and then it went to, like, market-based or whatever, securities-based. I don't know exactly what it... I'm not an economist, so I don't know exactly what it's, like, based off of. But I know our dollar is tied to various... Yeah. speculative things but the stock market though very speculative uh, I mean if you want a film that kind of breaks it down a little better it's more a little educational watch the big short that one's about the 2000 financial crisis I'd say that that film does pretty good job in terms of like teaching the viewer about well obviously how the 08 financial crisis even happened kind of like how hedge funds operate and the things that they do which by the way should be illegal um but isn't so Ooh. yeah that i mean if you want if you want a film learn about that stuff and to be depressed Watch that. Um, Done. But anyways, <laughs> anyways, <laughs> anyways. Um. Yeah, the the specific thing that Jordan did was pump and dump schemes. Yeah, and I think the film does a good job of like kind of showcasing sort of what he does in the beginning with like when he goes into the investor center and he sells that guy the Aerotine Industries stock. Yeah, and then we see the sh- the picture of the the shed. <laughs> it, that's funny. I mean, honestly, it's funny. It's so funny, but it's like, dude, he's literally. I mean, he's he's lying. He's straight up lying to the guy on the other end of the phone. Oh, absolutely. The guy, the guy buys like, is it four thousand dollars worth of stock? You know, so yeah. I mean, because Jordan, Jordan is literally a con man. That's that's his mo. He's a con man, salesman, and he's a great one, a uh, great con man. Yeah, uh, and it made him hundreds of millions of dollars. And the crazy idea is that you know the Forbes article that's mentioned, mentioned calling him a twisted Robin Hood. It's actually kind of accurate. Because his target on a lot of these are the richest Americans. Um, I don't know if that stays the case um, through to the development of Stratton Oakmont into the massive place that it is. But the targeting of the richest Americans being like, well, they've got too much money to know what they do with. Be much better in my hands. I'm going to live like a king. I mean... I, In a I, way, I can almost respect that because it's not like he's preying on some single mother with three. Um, I mean, it, it's his speech at the end that he's mentioning, uh, like one of his original brokers, um, was behind on rent, needed yeah. an advance, and n- needed you know help to make ends meet. Ends yeah. up, you know, may, staying with the firm for a long, long time. And you know, developing these skills and making a ton of money, but like, 
I mean, it, it, it's it's that idea of you know he he's giving people a who don't have Jack who have you know sixty thousand, hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollars in student loans, who are living paycheck to paycheck, who are financially unstable, maybe homeless, maybe you know falling on hard times all over, and taking from people who have hundreds of millions of dollars that they will never spend and can never spend in a lifetime, which I think is the one thing that is like... Like one positive. Is. I mean, I wouldn't say it's positive, just be like, I'll take advantage of the stupid rich people who have too much money than they know what to do with. Because, uh-huh. like, you know, you, you can we can go into the argument of, you know, world hunger could be solved if everybody, if if billionaires wanted to. But, like... Right, right. But, you know... Well, then also, too, because you could look at it this way, where while that's good that he did those things, um, let's say that is, like, a genuinely good thing, but unfortunately, they are still doing illegal acts to yeah. get that money. But even then, like, who's to say that those pe- the people that they're, like, stealing from got their money in ethical ways, too? You know yeah. what I mean? Because it's like... When you reach that level of wealth, there are going to be people that you step on no matter what, even if you never met them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like when you reach, like, Bill Gates status, Mark Zuckerberg yeah. status, Joe, Jeff Bezos status, you are, you are literally, like, exploiting, like, hundreds of thousands of people to get to that level of wealth. And so like, sure. I mean, steal from them. I don't care. Uh, But unfortunately, like stealing still, the act of stealing is not a good thing. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, honestly, if I, if I had thought of this earlier, I would have made this our bonus segment. Um, Is it illegal or immoral? The stuff that's happening. I mean, is taking a ton of drugs illegal or immoral? Or is it both? I mean, is is defrauding rich, rich clients who probably won't miss that $2,000 that they spent on a penny stock, is that illegal or is that immoral? Or is it both? Well, it's more than $2,000. Well, I mean, you know, I'm going with the first guy. But, you know, obviously they're, they're, they're doing it on a mass scale. Yeah, but is it illegal? I mean, you've made that distinction of several times. It is illegal, but mm-hmm. are we calling it immoral based on you know standards? I mean, obviously, the people being defrauded think that it's wrong and immoral that that this guy you know just con tricks them out of their money, and you know maybe it maybe it's maybe it's clever, maybe it's creative, maybe it's a horrible scam to trick people out of their money and and deceive them just for personal gain. Where does the line come for kind of the spectator who is not making money off of all of this, but also isn't losing money off of all of this? Because, I mean, for me, I, I, I think that a lot of the personal conduct stuff could be immoral. I mean, the the rampant cheating on his wife, 
the the excessive drug use. I mean, some of that I can consider immoral. But the... <laughs> I, I don't agree with this mindset that it's way, the money's way better in my pocket than in than some rich dude's pocket. At some point, he becomes the rich dude. And it it yeah. stops being, I guess, a, you know, quote-unquote noble cause and starts being problematic and immoral just because now I'm going to trick people to make myself even richer. He's yeah. buying a $150 million yacht, and he's thinking, oh, it's much better spent if I have this money. Right. I mean, right. come on. Because, I mean, like in the beginning of the film when he's going back and narrating his like life before when he's Ellis Ross. I mean, the guy is pretty naive, and he's well. Let's say, uh, let's not let's not say naive, but let's say like green. Let's say green, and you know, is really excited. He has the the idea of like, oh, I'm doing this to make money, obviously, but also to make my clients money. It's supposed to be an advantageous relationship for both myself and the client. And then obviously Black Monday happens and he's like desperate trying to find jobs, finds one at the Investor Center and you know, shout out to Spike Jones. That was Spike Jones that he was talking to. The guy in the the mustache. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, he proceeds to con this dude out of four grand of his own mo- money. And it's like, uh, what are you doing there? <laughs> you know, you obviously know. You obviously know he's not going to make money off of it. In fact, he's losing. You're, you're, he's throwing away four grand out of the trade. He's throwing it, burning it, boom, gone. Because, um, as you see, Aerotine Industries is out of a shed. Mm. Uh, high tech, high tech military grade radar technology. <laughs> it, it's the art of bullshitting. It's so, it's so bad. It's so bad. And, and then obviously he meets Donnie. He runs into Donnie, and Donnie's like, you know, I don't get it. You got a nice car, uh, but you live in the same apartment. Like, what's the deal here? You know, show me your pay stuff. And it's like seventy grand, seventy grand in one month, seventy grand in one month. Um, and he says he says in like the beginning narration that he's like he made forty nine million in one year. Forty nine million dollars in one yeah. year, dude. Dude almost made one million dollars a week. And he was pissed about that too. Yeah, he was mad that he was three shy of a million a week. <laughs> you know, there's that arrogance about him. Um, insane. Oh my goodness, absolutely insane. Um, so I want to I want to talk about, you know, as I kind of alluded to towards the beginning of the episode is the three different camps 
that people fall on, fall into when watching this film. Mm-hmm. You know, you got the camp that absolutely hates it. You got the camp that loves it, like frat bros and stuff, loves it for the wrong reasons. And then you got me and other people who love it for its critique on Jordan, critique on capitalism, all these things. Little pretentious of you, don't you think? I know, sorry. <laughs> sorry. No, I'm I, kidding. I, I had to throw I had to do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think it's important to talk about, have a little conversation about media literacy. Because when it comes to a film like this, obviously you're, gonna bow, you're bound to have people that don't understand it and are going to completely miss the point. It's going to fly over them like an airplane at LAX. You know what I mean? Um, Completely miss the point. And it's a shame because I think Scorsese, what he managed to do here is brilliant. I think, I know you don't agree, but I think it's one of the best films of his, in his filmography. Uh, But, and one of the best films of the 2010s. And um, the way that he tells this story in such a very brazen manner, I mean, that's kind of necessary. Because my friend, who doesn't like this film at all, because of the fact that it misses the point of the film. Because the point of the film is to showcase... This guy's utter debauchery is very soulless nature and his soulless life. What does it lead to? It leads to destruction. It leads to, to utter catastrophe. Yeah. Relationships with his friend, marriage, his kids, all these things. And, you know, the film ends with, like I said, the shot people looking at Jordan like he's some god. He's the answer to all of their problems. In fact, he's not. He's just a con man. Uh, I, Scorsese had spent the previous three hours literally dismantling this guy um, to, the, to the bone, to the atom life and so you know to the people that love this film the wrong reasons like they see they see jordan like oh my god i want to live like jordan uh he's he's that that's the guy i look up you know you got those you got those like finance bros like ftx traders or whatever on instagram like the bots and stuff but like people are like Follow these three easy steps. I can get you rich, no problem. You know those types of dudes, right? Uh, on on Instagram and yeah, and it's like step one: wake up at six a.m. Step yeah. two: grind. Yeah, it's like grind. Yeah, sigma sigma grind set. And Jordan, you know, Jordan is kind of like the epitome of that type of. You know, he's like the arch. He's like the archetype. Uh, yeah, of that type of person lifestyle and it's like dude i mean you really want to live like that 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, at that point, that's an indictment of your own character. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. again, obviously, people can live their lives however they want, but at a certain point, it's going to come and catch catch up to you, and it's going to bite you in the behind. There's an immaturity to it, too. I mean, everything he kind of yeah. spends his money on is shiny or fancy. He acts like a child. No, nothing. Neither he nor his friends can really control themselves. It's not like I mean, he sees Naomi. He's like, "Well, fuck my wife. I'm, I'm, I'm with her now." And until she catches them, and then they divorce, like immediately. He was like, "I was so bereaved. Uh, it took me three days uh, before I uh, moved it, moved Naomi into my house." Ridiculous. Yeah. I mean. The the again the fight scene where he's throwing a tantrum like a toddler, the constant again constant drug use, the the scene of him the entire scene of him on the lemon quaaludes, um crawling, is in is in fact him being lower than his child, <laughs> who he cannot speak he cannot move he cannot function like a human person. And he's, you know, he's he's literally an infant, which I I think is an uh, an underrated thing. And the Scorsese does a lot to m- make him appear as childish as possible. Um, and I mean, even like the. Like the the even the premature ejaculation in the uh the first time he's with Naomi. Yeah. Like that's that's a I mean, not to quote the movie when referencing the movie, but those are those are rookie numbers. <laughs> eleven eleven seconds, those are rookie numbers. Yeah, these in it for the quick the quick thrill. Yeah, and he his arrogance and the childish is like, well, uh, screw you! You're not taking my kids. You're not leaving with 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 the, with this and the the things that I've you know brought up. And I mean, the interesting dial dialogue there is both of them call them my kid, not our kid, my kid. Because yeah. Naomi's been raising them, but Jordan's been like, I made them. Wouldn't have been made without me. They're my yeah, kids. Yeah. And the idea of you know I can do whatever I want and get with it, get away with it. I'll take my kid. I'll put it in my car. I'll put them in my car, and I'll take off because they're my kid. Hmm. Obviously, that does not go to plan. But um, <laughs> he, I mean, they do so well at just you know making him seem childish. I mean, when, even the the dominatrix calling a safe word, refer, uh, constantly referring to uh, Naomi as mommy, um kind of just you know like the weasel the twenty six thousand dollars of sides um, oh that one's funny <laughs> with with that is a funny scene but with with i mean that's his dad that's literally his dad yeah it's literally his dad yeah. and he's he's just like shooting the shit like no one cares and he's honestly like He's so, so flippant. He's he's disrespectful, but he doesn't care. 
It doesn't matter. (laughs) Because he thinks he's a god. He sees himself as a god. He's, like, untouchable. He's like a 12-year-old with the bankroll of Zuckerberg. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And, man, it goes without saying, but, like, Leonardo DiCaprio is dense and he is um, best performance in his career. I mean, come on. You can't tell me that wasn't the best performance in his career. I'll see. Let's see if I can see if I can find a better one. Let's see. I mean, come on, man. I mean, he was amazing in this. He he was he he just he fit he played the role perfectly. Like not for a second did I doubt him. I didn't doubt I didn't doubt anything he did for a second. I mean, it's all real stuff he was doing. I mean. Hard to doubt it when he's real. I kid. Uh, but I mean, it, it is a, a very, very solid performance. He's a very committed actor. I mean, obviously, it, it's very good, solid performances all around. Margot Robbie, uh, fantastic. It's one of her own. first, I think. I, I think it was one of her first, her first major roles. I know she was in, um, this was 2013. She was in About Time. Yeah. In 2013, I mean, she she had been in a little bit before. It was her, yeah, it was her th- fourth film role. Um, after About Time. Uh, and first, I think American release, and then she immediately, you know, blew up. She blew up Blasts her career. Off. Her career, yeah. Yeah, I mean, honestly. Because, I mean, she's already got two Academy Award nominations. We'll see if she gets a third for Barbie. Um, I mean, talk about a springboard. And she does phenomenally, too. I mean, damn. Her accent is so... <laughs> Her accent's hilarious. Brooklyn? Yeah. Yeah, the accent. I don't know. If... <laughs> or the Long Island? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to even attempt to <laughs> recreate it. <laughs> don't even try. Don't even try. I'm tempted. Uh, I, that was I'm me tempted. trying. But... I'm tempted. Yuck. Skyla. Skyla. Oh, no, that was bad. You're telling me to go with Skyla? And take the dog for a walk? Oh my god. I was on vacation with a bunch of Long Islanders, unintentionally. Oh. Heard them talking about taking the dog for a walk. Walk. Yeah. <laughs> a walk. And then Jonah Hill, too. Jonah Hill was amazing in this, too. Yeah. He was so funny. Him, him and Leo were hilarious. But Jonah was... <laughs> He was so funny. Um, like that scene when they're having dinner together towards the beginning of the film, and Jordan's asking him about his wife, and like rumors that he's heard about his wife being his cousin, and Jonah, he's like, "Ah, don't worry about that." 
And he's like, yeah, she's my cousin. And then he goes on this whole tangent about rationalizing the fact that he married his cousin. Yeah, I, like, it's beautiful. He wanted, he, he, he's like, yeah, uh, I wasn't going to let anyone have my cousin, you know, out of respect. I, I had to be the one to have sex with her. I mean, he's more vulgar about it. Uh, he drops F-bombs, but. <laughs> I mean, I've been. And then the way he says, you know, her father was the brother to my mom. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> that means like she's his, your first cousin. Like, trying his best to make it sound as, like, socially acceptable as possible. <laughs> like, that line always kills me. That line kills me every time I hear that. And then, he, and then you know, Leo asks him, like, you know, obviously, since you guys are relatives, then what about, like, the... The chances of your kid being have a disability or whatever, uh, and, and then and then he's like, you know, if that happened, I would drive them up to the country and open mm. the door and let them. Oh, go! You're free. You're free to go. That is so funny. That's so bad at the same time. <laughs> It's oh horrendous. My gosh. It's so bad, but it's so funny. I just crack up so much when I when I hear that. I mean, there is the comedy in this film is just top notch. So good. It's hilarious. Um the other the another scene, obviously the famous one between the two of them when they're high on quaaludes. God. And Jonah well, Donnie's on the phone with the, the Swiss bank guy. <laughs> But even before that even happens, like when Jordan is at the payphone, yep, and he's like, he's slurring his words like crazy, and then falls to the ground. And he's like, I've completely skipped the tingle phase. I've discovered all new phase, the cerebral palsy phase. <laughs> like that's crazy. <laughs> I had a I had a vocal reaction to that joke. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> I mean, God, oh there are a God. lot of. I mean, there's so many good, good word choices in this in this film. Honestly. I'm at, I'm at a country club. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear, Mom, oh Tristan is doing the Quaalude voice again. Oh jeez. Um. Uh. Or when, when Naomi walks into the, the gay orgy at their oh, apartment. God. Oh, my God. And then he's like, the butler's like, oh, it's Wednesday already? And of course, after there, she's telling him what happened, Jordan sits down. And there were four right here. They were right here? <laughs> Standing up in a panic. Gotta burn that couch. Honestly. Oh gotta burn gosh. that couch. And then, uh, what else? I mean, there's a lot. There's, there's a lot, lot of solid, solid scenes. Yeah, there's a lot. But the dialogue is incredible, which leads me, if you're up for it, to my variety segment. Okay. What you got? What you got? All right. So 
I'm going to make an awful pun in about 30 seconds. So bear with me. <laughs> As we all know, Jordan buys a $150 million yacht. Uh, and he christens it the Naomi after his second wife. I mean, honestly, that's a very, very sweet, romantic thing to do. Purchase her a, a yacht. She can go wherever she wants. Uh, she's queen of the seas, you know, all that good stuff. But it got me thinking, which led us to this new uh, segment based on all the crazy things that they've said in this film. Yachts that name. What would be a better name oh, for this yacht than Naomi. Okay? So I have a few uh, quotes, excerpts, you know, uh, abridged versions of um, quotes that all are, all are said in some way, shape, or form or during this film that maybe would be a better name for a yacht than Naomi. Uh, first, we're going to go with Fun coupons. Um, uh, welcome to my boat. Cocaine and hookers. Um, you could, I guess, you could do two two different versions with this one. You could you could say it's McDonald's, or you could say it's effing McDonald's. However you'd like. Ah, uh, yes. Welcome to my yacht, the SS Benihana. Um, <laughs> I, this next one I I just said you know this pen. <laughs> this pen. Uh, let's see. We've got um ball caviar. <laughs> that's an abri- that's an abridging. A little bit of it. Uh, we are gonna say we are gonna still have cerebral palsy phase. Um, <laughs> we'll have you know Brad's title. We'll have Brad's title. Quaalude King of Bayside. <laughs> Jesus. Let him um, watch. Let him watch. Let him watch. God. <laughs> we'll have. Uh, uh, welcome to my boat. A rich hooker's credit card. <laughs> uh, just name the boat Quaaludes. Yeah, Quaalude. Dots, <sighs> dots, not feathers. It's not feathers. That's a good one. <laughs> That's a really good one. The um, uh, the next two come from that uh side scene. We have Argentinian porterhouse and cancer curing sides. <laughs> uh, welcome to my boat, Donnie's cousin. Uh, welcome to my boat, Swiss Dick. Uh, welcome to my boat, a line of baking soda. <laughs> ah, yes. Welcome to my boat. Welcome to my boat, mommy's panties. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, and I got one more. Um, I got one more. It it, it is more of a title than a, a name for the boat. But uh, the welcome to my boat, the Emperor of Fucksville. <laughs> I believe that all of these would be better boat names than Naomi. Naomi. 
But tell us, uh, message us on Instagram at odyssey.of.cinema. What's a better boat name for uh, the Naomi? Um, I must say, I think the... Uh... Dude, you named off so many, I can't even remember the first ones you said. Fun coupons. Fun, yes, fun coupons. Co- cocaine and hookers. <laughs> yes, that one, that one. <laughs> <laughs> SS cocaine and hooker. <laughs> you 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 re- you've you've purchased the rights to the captain and the first mate, and therefore you have named them Captain Cocaine and First Mate Hookers. <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> God. Oh, last <laughs> blowout for the gods. That's a good one. That's a good one. I mean, hell, Stratton Oakmont is a good name for a boat. That it, that's like high key. That is a great name for a company. Like a hedge yeah. fund. That was like a like a very good name. Stratton Oakmont. Like that's a very A-tier. cool name. S tier. It it is yeah. very yeah, good. Yeah, that's a very good name. Jordan, that was a W. One rare, the only W he ever. The only. I w. mean, he got a book deal. That's a W. Talking about things he did in the movie. Oh, okay. That's true. That's fair. That's fair. That's valid. <laughs> Is it time? Yes. Yeah. All right. I know. I know. I got my pick already. I do too. Okay. I'm interested to see where you go with this. All right. All right. You know, so I'll go first. You want me to go first? You can go first if you'd like. All right. All right. Best trip. I think best fit. My favorite fit. Gotta go to Jonah Hill's bit as Donnie when he's having dinner with Jordan towards the beginning of the film when he has that like yellow uh like cardigan over him and the mm-hmm. like the striped green, red, and navy polo on. Yeah. And the, and the glasses, he looks he looks clean in that film. I think he looks dope. It's a cool that's, fit. That's fair. Um, I, I have to, I do have an honorable mention, Okay. uh, which is everything that Donnie Azoff wears ever. Yes. His fit. Yes. His fits are really dope. Yeah. They're amazing. I mean, honestly, anything that he wears is runner up. Uh, I think the best fit though, cause I'm a sucker for this, like 20 (laughs) minutes in, um, Teresa and Jordan are in their like small apartment and Jordan's in this like. (gasps) I mean, oh. after they get laid off, after he gets laid off from, yeah, uh, he's in that awesome sweater with like the green and the navy. Oh, baby, yeah, that's very good. That is very nice sweater. The fit. Yeah, that's a nice sweater. That's so eighties. Yes, it's such an eighties sweater, but it looks so nice. I mean, please, please, can I have it? <laughs> I mean, honestly, I'm just I'm just got an eye out for that. I saw that and I was like immediately bookmark that. Bookmark that. Keep it. It's yeah, like twenty a, minutes into the film. Yeah, it's a nice it's a nice sweater. It is stuck with me. Shout and also shout out to uh um John Bernthal's character. Brad. 
his fits i think i mean he's 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 wearing like the same things but like i think his fits are really nice like the black black jacket like his fit when he's um he's meeting donnie at the the strip mall to pass the cash to him i think is really cool i think that's a very nice nice clean fit with the the black like uh, oh, yeah. jacket it's like zipped down but not all the way so it's you know so it sort of sits on him like, it, it, i mean it's it, i think it's just the mustache that helps him pull that off it's beautiful yeah and then him sitting in the dude, that range rover is nice that like 90s range rover so clean so oh yeah love it But dang. And then he dies from a heart attack two years later. R.I.P. Brad. R.I.P. <laughs> Brad. <laughs> Gone too soon. In the arms of the angels. Oh, man. Um. I guess, I guess, uh. I guess that's it. I don't, I don't really know what to say. I don't know what to say either. I mean. I wasn't expecting to be hooked as well as much as I was. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, okay, I, you know, I'll watch it, and then when when it gets bored, I'll when it gets boring, I'll watch it. I'll finish it another, like another hour or something like that. Nope, I was in that for the long haul. Oh boy, yeah, the three hours flies by. It's, it's it, very fun. It really very does. Much. I hope my dad hasn't seen that movie. I've Why shown him. I've shown him RRR. That three hours flew by, kept him awake. It was amazing. He loved it. Mostly because I kind of this again is not a movie I want to watch next to my dad. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> you might do it. You might. Do uh, no, it. I I would not. I would ask yeah, I would him, "Hey, dad, have you seen The Wolf of Wall Street?" And he'll tell me, "No." Hopefully, <laughs> and he'll say. Oh, maybe maybe I'll watch it sometime with your mother. And I say, no, don't do that. Please don't do that. <laughs> she won't like it, and you won't like it. Please don't. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Do they listen? Do they listen to the podcast? You know, sometimes. Oh, okay. Because if shout they, out mom and dad. Yeah, if they uh, if they listen to this. Maybe their minds could be changed. My aunt does, but she she kind of loses track when we get into the foreign film. Oh, I see. Sad. Sad. F. F in chat. Well, speaking of foreign film. Oh, yeah. This week. Great segue. Let's go. In the mood for love. That's right. Wong Kar Wai. Big five zero. I know number fifty, episode fifty. Fiftieth episode. If I had like air horns, I'd be playing it right. <laughs> Fireworks are going off in the background now. Yeah, actually here, let me let me change my lights. This is just a celebration for us. You are, uh, you can absolutely be a part of it, but there is no visual and there is no sound as the lights change. Ta-da! <laughs>
See, Tristan is being serenaded right now by light changing. Because I'm just pressing random buttons, but you know. This is kind of boring for you, I assume. It's such Anyways. a big celebration. Changing <laughs> lights. It's so cool. But we're we're developing our new schedule on what comes after this, on how December is going to look, on how January is going to look. Um, what what what? How we're going to treat the year in review? Um, because again, that was a fun episode last year. That was yeah. that was a very fun. I loved and getting. Obviously... obviously, what? Oh oh, Christmas special too. Oh, I've got an idea. Yeah, for that. Christmas special. You know, well, mostly because I want to see. I want to force you to watch a movie. Yes, we're gonna watch Love Actually. You're damn right we are. You're yeah, damn right I, we I are. Knew you were, I knew you were. <laughs> and it's on it's on Netflix right now, so I have no excuse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, side tangent. It is one of the most well-written films, I think, ever. There's so many layers. There's so many references. There's so many callbacks. It's so good. Hey, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward yeah. to it. I reference that movie every other week. I know. You, yeah, you do. You know if you've you listened do. to you this. You love it. I know. It's I a know. long time coming. Oh, my, that might be our bonus Christmas episode. I mean, we can we can make it an actual. But we'll talk about that. We'll, talk about that. well indeed. But you um, know. But yeah. 50 Big five zero coming next week. Uh yeah, in the mood for love, Wong Kar Wai. We we talked about Fallen Angels uh several months ago. I think it was it was one of the last episodes we did when I was still at WVU, I think. I think so. Yeah. It was the twenty fifth episode. Wow wow, wow, look at that. I was being I'm being very strategic with this. 25 later, doing another one car Y. Yep. Um, yeah, in the move for... I actually have seen this before. So... I kind of... already have my opinion on it set. But again, this that was before I watched Fallen Angels. Because Fallen Angels was amazing. That, yeah, it was. That, that was incredible. Um, so maybe, you know, with my newfound appreciation of uh, Wong Kar Wai's kind of style, maybe I'll enjoy In the Mood for Love more. Who knows? But um, this is, uh, this film came out in 2000, and I think it has the the most critical reception in its filmography, if if I stand corrected. I think it, I think it does. So this is a film that typically gets the most praise out of anything that he's made. Um, and I think it's his most well-known work, too. I think this is his most famous work as well. I'm not, if I'm mistaken. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I guess that's kind of all I have to say about it. You know, obviously, Indeed. talk about it more next week. but um. Yeah. Thank um, you for listening. Yeah, thank you for listening. And uh yeah, thanks for um 
listening to us for 49 weeks. And uh, on to the 50th one. <laughs> Yeehaw. Um, yeah, thank you for everybody for listening. Um, if you haven't watched Wolf of Wall Street, go watch it. It's so fun. Um, don't watch it with your, your parents. Don't watch it with the youngins. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because they'll need um, some eye bleach after watching a film like this. You'll have to answer a lot of questions. Yeah, yeah. So don't watch it with the youngins. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Um, thanks for listening. This has been the Cinematic Odyssey here on United to the Move. We'll catch you guys next week for In the Mood for Love, One Car Y, Big Five O, Big Celebration. Um. This has been Cinematic Odyssey, Wolf of Wall Street, forever.